A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose, took the child and his mother by night, and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod had died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. He rose, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go back there. And because he had been warned in a dream, he departed for the region of Galilee. He went and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, we have a shortage of children, and we typically allow, have children come up for a little children's homily. Would you like to come up for a, oh good, come on up. Brave girl, sometimes when there's just one, they're afraid. Come on up here, you're not afraid, are you? But here's my question, are you strong? Yes, she's strong. Okay, good. If you're strong, let me ask you to do this for me, okay? Will you break these sticks? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Hmm, they're really strong. They're really tough. Here, let's try this. Let's take just one out and see if you can break one. Oh, almost, almost. Here, let me give you a tip. Get your hands way out on the edges so you get a little more leverage there to break it in the middle. See, go, 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 go. All right, then use the knee. Use the knee. Come on. Break it over the knee. There you go. I knew you could do it. You okay? Your hands okay? Yeah, I put you through the ringer there, didn't I? See, when we're together, today is the Feast of the Holy Family, and we're all together, bound together like this bundle of sticks as a family, then we're really strong. But if we run off by ourselves, we come separated from our families, we disobey our parents, we do things that we're not supposed to do, we become vulnerable and we can be broken. So Jesus wants us always to live in a family because Jesus grew up in a family, didn't he? All right. What's your name? Lauren. Lauren, thank you so much, Lauren. God bless you. You can go back to your mother. Thanks for being so brave and strong. So this is the feast of the Holy Family. You know, we don't typically think about this, but was it necessary for Jesus to grow up in a family? Really? You know, Jesus... You know, God could have put Mary and Jesus in a cave and fed him with a raven like he did Elijah. He could have raised them singly, separately, which would have kind of made sense. You've got the immaculately conceived Mary, who is pure, and you have, you have Jesus, who, of course, is the Son of God. And, but he throws this other guy in the mix, you know, a stepfather, Joseph, who apparently had some children of his own before he took Mary and created a family. 
It was God's purpose and will for Jesus to grow up within a human family, like ours. Jesus grew up very much like we did, very much like our children do. You know, one of the things that puzzled me was, was, was everything perfect for the Holy Family? You think that God would have made sure that everything went perfect for the, for the Holy Family, for his son and for their family. But when we read the story, we realize that things were far from perfect. I mean, to begin with, you have this issue of Mary, who is pregnant before they get married, and that's a stigma in our society. In that society, it was punishable by death. I mean, that was a very serious thing. Then you have the king. The government's trying to kill him before he's even two years old. And they have to flee to a strange land in Egypt that they may or may not have known anybody and try to establish a life there for a while and then, then to go back and how, try to figure out where to, where to live. They wind up back in Nazareth. Their life was not perfect. In fact, it was very hard. We complain about struggles in our lives, but you know most of us are not being pursued by the government and and having the issues that the Holy Family had. And then I wonder about the parents, Mary and Joseph. Now, were they so perfect, or did they make mistakes like we do, like we as parents do? Well, there is this story about Jesus winding up in the temple. You know, Mary and Joseph lost him. They both thought he was with somebody else, and, and then they searched for days to try to find him. And when they find him, Jesus seems surprised that they didn't know where they were where he was. Yeah, they weren't perfect, were they? They were humans like you and I. It was God's plan to place Jesus within an imperfect, yet very special, very holy family. Because that has been God's plan from the beginning. All the way from Adam and Eve, it has been God's plan to raise humanity in the context of families. It's in the family that children learn what it is to love God, what it is to be kind to one another, what it is to forgive, what it is to share. They learn all these things from the family. They learn their faith from their family. It is God's plan for us to grow up within family. Now family over the years has taken a variety of expressions in different cultures and in different times. We know that. But one of the things that I have noted, and I think most people have noticed, is that family in America is really broken. It really started to fray, I would say, back in the 1950s. A lot of us like to think of the 1950s as, as, the, as the pure and wonderful time. But, you know, humanity has always been selfish by nature. And beginning in the post-war affluence and the rise of technologies, there became this ability to feed our selfish inclinations and drive us into isolation, separating us from our families. I remember when we got air conditioning and you know, suddenly we, you know, people didn't have to sit on the porch anymore and wait for the house to cool down and visit with their neighbors in the evening so before they could go, go in and go to sleep. 
I remember television. I remember getting our first television. All right, and when television came, of course, dinner changed, didn't it? Because now we had Walter Cronkite at the dinner table, and most of, we spent most of our time listening to him instead of sharing with each other. And those technologies continued to come. Now, the technologies and the affluence did not break the family. Government did not break the family. It was our selfishness that broke the family. It was just technologies and affluence that fed that desire to be ourselves and not to commit ourselves to family. Today in Japan, the government is establishing a whole new branch of the government to deal with young people, by young being 18s and, you know, late teens and 20s, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, who refuse to leave their bedroom. They haven't left their bedroom in years. Their entire life is a virtual life on their computers. They work from their computers. If they want to buy something, they buy it on their computers. They don't go shopping. They play their games on their computers. And they have so isolated themselves, they refuse to leave their rooms. And so what the government is doing, they're hiring women to be surrogate sisters. This is, this is true. You can look this up. You can Google this. To be surrogate sisters so you can sit outside the door because these people won't open the door to them, and to talk with them and to share and try to establish relationship, try to move them from isolation back into some semblance of family. We're so desperate for family in this 21st century culture. But the Holy Family was was not just a family. They were family. They were family. They, they learned together. They worked together. But they were a holy family. Now what makes a family holy? We're encouraged to ponder upon that. What makes a family holy? Pope Francis recently said three things make a family holy. And the first one is prayer. Prayer makes a family holy. That recognition that while we are in fact a family, we not, are not a family alone. God is part of our family. And the ability of a family to come together, perhaps around the dinner table or at some other time, and to be able to share what they're going through, their ups, their downs, their struggles, their, their victories and their failures, and to be able to pray for one another, ask God to come and be a part of their family and to help them through the struggles of daily life. Prayer is a key part of becoming a holy family. A second thing that Pope Francis said makes a family holy is work. Work. Families become knit together by working together towards common goals for common purposes in life. And it may be coming as simple as cleaning up the house because company is coming over. So everybody works together to, the, to do this. Or it can be something as integral as, as in the Holy Family where Joseph is a carpenter and he's, he's teaching Jesus how to be a carpenter. Work is part of their family life. It's not just something that 
you know, dad goes off to work and everybody else plays. It's everyone comes together to make this family work. This, this was more real to us when our society was more agricultural and everybody worked the farm together. As we've moved away from that model, then the family has begun to suffer because of it. Which, and the family doesn't have to suffer because of it. We just need to find new ways to bring our families together, to work together towards a common end. And the third thing Pope Francis says makes the family holy is joy. It's joy. That the family should be a place of joy. I have sadly known a lot of families who are extremely religious, and that's a good thing, but sometimes the parents take the, take the joy out of their family lives by becoming so involved in, in various religious matters that they leave their children behind. All right, a disclaimer, we still need volunteers in the church, okay? We still need people to come and help us accomplish things in the church. But we can also incorporate our families in these activities as well. Bring us all together. There is a, an acronym I learned of the word joy many, many years ago, and I still think of it often, and that's J-O-Y. To know joy in life, we put Jesus first. Jesus, God, is first in all that we do. We treat others second and yourself last. J-O-Y, Jesus, others, yourself. That is the definition of joy. And what has caused so much damage in our families here in this 21st century is that people put themselves first and seek their, their own agenda, their own purpose, their own desires, and not give themselves to each other in a family. I see that breaking so many marriages apart as people put themselves first and not their spouse. As people get to that point where they say, you don't, mean my, you don't meet my needs anymore. I think I'll just move on. Well, perhaps we're in, this, in our marriages to meet the other's needs, not make sure our needs are met. So to bring joy into our lives, we must learn to put Jesus first. Think of Joseph, who was always so submissive to God. All God had to do to get Joseph to do something is send him a dream, and bang, Joseph does it right away. I would have loved to have been there on the night when Joseph wakes up in the middle of the night and shakes Mary and says, Come on, Mary, we're moving to Egypt. <laughs> now, get up. We're fleeing by night because I just got warned in a dream. I think some of us might have complained about that, but there's no complaint because they lived in complete submission to God. So we put Jesus first in our lives. Think of how Mary completely gave herself to Jesus, how Joseph completely gave himself to his family, to Mary and Jesus, to care for them, to provide for them, to shelter them. Put others above yourself. And then finally, yourself because we know we have needs and it's okay to share those needs 
And that's why I always encourage people to share those needs within the context of prayer. You know, there was a study done by Harvard University Sociology School. This is back in the 1980s when the divorce rate had hit 50%. And they, they discussed all kinds of different ways that things that made marriages work or made marriages fall apart. And this is what they discovered, that the family that practices daily prayer and the reading of Scripture experiences divorce of one in every 1,000 marriages. So within that context of prayer, we can share our needs, share our burdens, bring them to the Lord together, and discover something wonderful. Because when we come together and we work together and we serve one another, then we create family. But when we add to that prayer, we add to that faith, we add to that service to God, then we become a holy family. And that was what God has called us all to be, not just for ourselves, but as an example to the world that is desperate to know that there is meaning and purpose, not just in life as a big picture, but in life as, an, as a relationship. And we find relationship with one another in the holiness of the family of Jesus.